Nazir Chapter 1 Talm and Midowin Talm tried to read by the red light of the moon. Cross-legged in a windowsill high in the Temple of Three, the eight-year-old boy scanned each page for familiar glyphs. Maybe if he studied them hard enough, he could figure out how to read. Outside the window, the enormous brother moon filled the sky, smoldering like a hot coal. The air always felt electric when the moon was this close, and lightning occasionally wormed across the cloudless horizon. The study door opened, and Prelor Jenik entered with old books and scrolls. Startled to see Talon in the windowsill, Jenik's expression grew stern. Talon about Jin, he snapped. What are you doing in my study at this time of night? Talon teared up. I was reading. Really, Jenik sounded doubtful. Someone thought they could teach you to read. Talon shook his head. Bravely, he held the book toward Jenik. Will you teach me? No. Jenik set the books and scrolls on his desk and approached Talm. You may wear the robes of an acolyte of the three, but you are an outlander. Your people lack the wits to learn our way of writing. Jenik took the book from Talm and, ta- and closed it. I'm not being rude, it is simply not in your blood. You are blessed enough to clean the dragon stables and prune the rooftop garden for as long as we allow. He lifted Talm from the windowsill and gently led him out of the study. At the door, he said, Doors may not have locks in the Temple of Three, but if you violate that trust again, you'll feel my switch. Understood? Talon rubbed his teary eyes and nodded. Good. Now go back to the dorm. Talon's slippers pattered down the dimly lit halls of the temple as he hurried back to the Acolyte's dormitory, holding up his robe awkwardly to avoid tripping. As he turned a corner, he almost ran into another sage. Slow down, child, the grumpy Prelor demanded, then paused. Wait, are you a Talm? Talm blinked. Yes, sir. Your masters have been looking for a Talm in the dorms. Apparently, he has an important visitor. You may want to hurry after all, in case it's you. Confused but dutiful, Talm nodded and took to running again. Sure enough, a handful of lower Prelors waited outside the dormitory, conversing quietly with large hand gestures that told Talon they were in a poor mood. When it came to him, of course, they were usually in a poor mood. Behind them, a tall cloaked man waited with his hands tucked into his sleeves. By demon's chains, where is that boy? He should have been... An irritated Prelor stopped when he noticed Talon scampering down the corridor. He waved impatiently for Talon to hurry. Three curse you, child. You kept our guest waiting. Talon reached them and looked up at the cloaked stranger. An old man with a half-disfigured face stared back apathetically from inside the cowl. This is Talon Ebao Jin? The stranger asked the angry Prelor. Yes. Vav Midwin, are you certain you wish to apprentice this boy? We have far less troublesome children you might employ. Perhaps the son of a noble or someone else with reputable blood. No, the disfigured stranger, who was apparently named Midowin, shook his head. This is the boy I want, and I will be taking him with me tonight. The Prelor furrowed his brow at Midowin. I suppose that is all right, but wouldn't you rather speak with first Prelor Rokor before... No need, Midowin replied a little harshly. Then, more gently, I won't disturb his rest, and I need an apprentice immediately. Very well, the Prelor sighed. Talon, Ebaujin, your robe, please. Surprised and a little hurt, the little boy wanted to protest, but the Prelor's expression left no room for appeal. Talon raised his arms, and the Prelor lifted it from his shoulders without ceremony. 
As the acolyte's rope peeled away, Talon felt strange standing there in just a shirt and trousers. Outside the dorms, acolytes were required to always wear their robes. Talon feared he might no longer be welcome here. Should I get my things? Talon asked. No, the Praelor said. Anything here belongs to the temple. Come, Midwin said to Talon. We're leaving. As Talon followed, he looked back toward the Praelor, his robe, and the dorms. He wondered what he had done wrong and whether he would ever see this place again. Talon knew from looking out the temple's high windows that the core was an enormous city, but now his slippered feet knew it too. The hours dragged on, and Talon's head nodded sleepily as they followed the dark cobblestone streets. Where are we going? Out of the city, was all Midowin said. They crossed the third and final moat of the city, bridging the final trough of the giant crater that surrounded Lawrence's core. Up ahead, the double gates of the city loomed high. When they got there, Midowin produced papers to guard at the gate. A small side door was opened, and Talon and Midowin stepped out of the core. They stood at the top of what felt like a hill, but it was really just another ring of the crater. Fields and farms sloped gradually down and away from the city walls until the night swallowed them, but the flickering lights of civilization continued into the distance and slowly curved up again, dozens of miles away. Where the horizon should have been, lights became impossible to discern from stars, so Talon could not tell where the earth ended and the sky began. I've never been outside the walls before, Talon gawked, now fully awake. He'll get used to it. Middlewin led Talon to the nearest farmhouse. The house was dark, and the only sound came from crickets and some snoring pigs. What are we doing? Talon asked. Middlewin put a finger to his lips and whispered, We're stealing a wagon. Now hush. Middlewin opened the door to a small building. Inside, the air smelled like manure and straw, and horses slept in small stalls. In amazement, Talon guessed that these were miniature stables. Then he realized they weren't miniature at all, but were for horses and cows rather than dragons. Here, Midowin whispered, gesturing Talon over to a wagon in the corner. Talon hurried over. Midowin lifted Talon onto the back of the wagon, then started digging out some belongings. He set out two olive-sized crystals that glowed moon red. He also dug out a silver dagger, a rag, and a small bottle of liquid. He uncorked the bottle and doused the rag with it. The fumes made Talon woozy. Sorry, kid, Midowin said. He grabbed Talon in a headlock and pressed the damp rag over Talon's nose and mouth. You don't want to be awake for this. Talon struggled in the firm grip, but then blackness took over. Talon's chest hurt. He woke slowly to a pounding headache as he lay in the bed of the stolen wagon, light rain pecking at his face. The day was dim and cloudy, raindrops pattered against the leaves of surrounding trees. The air smelled strongly of damp soil and campfire smoke. Town's ears rang in the quiet as they searched for the usual sounds of city life, but there was nothing. Stiff and head still pounding, Town sat upright and a damp blanket rolled away from his shirtless body. A surgical cut on his chest had been stitched shut but smoldered like a hot coal, the same color as the Brother Moon. Town panicked and shuffled backward like he could somehow get away from the ugly gash. Instead, he fell off the back of the wagon with a yelp. Talon? Midowin lay inside a bedroll nearby. He looked as though he had just woken up, his eyes watery and expression blank. Talon scrambled to his feet and ran the opposite direction. Talon, stop! Sounds of shuffling and cursing told Talon that Midowin was extricating himself from his bedroll. 
Talon kept running. The world still swam slightly from whatever Midwin had drugged him with, so Talon stumbled side to side as he tried to run away. You're hurting yourself, kid. Within moments, gentle yet firm arms wrapped around Talon and lifted him off the ground, then carried him like a baby back toward camp. Put me down! Help! Put me down! Talon kicked and punched, but Midwin didn't seem to care. Midwin set him in the wagon atop the wet blanket and grabbed his ankles to stop him from kicking. Stop! You just had surgery! You're gonna kill yourself! Talon stopped struggling, but kept looking for a means of escape, his heart racing. Midwin kept holding Talon's ankles. I'm going to let go now. I'm not interested in harming you. I just want to tell you something. After that, you can leave if you want. Okay, kid? Talon nodded fearfully. Okay. Midwin let go. Besides, I have a gift for you. The disfigured man strode over to his bedroll and began digging around inside. Talon considered making another break for it, but knew it would end the same way. Besides that, he had never been given a gift before, so his curiosity won. Midwin returned with a worn-out book. After a sigh of resignation, he handed it to Talon. Honestly, after last night, I won't need this anymore. I figured it might answer any questions you have as you grow older. Talon cautiously accepted the book. Books were rare and valuable outside the core, and only one made Talon feel kingly. Besides that, since last night, it was officially the only thing he owned. I don't have the time or the patience to explain everything, Midwin said, but it's better if we aren't together when... A shadow flashed by overhead and a gust of wind shifted the treetops, which groaned and dropped a sheet of droplets on Talon and Midwin. Midwin jabbed a stern finger at Talon. Stay here, he ordered, then drew his silver dagger from his belt. The shadow returned a moment later. Above the trees, a huge, rusty red dragon beat his wings hard to stop himself before dropping straight through the boughs and landing in front of Midwin in a shower of leaves and broken branches. I'm saved, Talon thought. Maybe the dragon was here to return him to the temple. The dragon circled Midwin slowly, stalking like a cat. The size of ten horses, this was one of the largest dragons Talon had ever seen. One horn and the entire left side of the dragon's face were disfigured, just like Midwin. In a heartbeat, Town recognized the famous hero of Lorenth, Ravage. Looking for the stones, Midwin shouted at the snarling dragon. Here! Midwin lifted his shirt. Midwin had the same burning surgical scar as Town, though sewn closed much more poorly. The dragon stopped and stared at the incision. After a moment, the dragon's breathing grew faster and heavier, his whole body shaking in rage. Midwin dropped his shirt. You can't kill me or the boy. You lose. The dragon bellowed at Midwin, his long, spittle-webbed teeth just inches from the man's face. Then Ravage tore at the earth with his long talons, rampaging through the campsite without touching Midwin or Talon. Ravage breathed fire across the whole clearing, incinerating the damp leaves, the bedroll, and the wagon in one giant storm of flames. Talon covered his face instinctively as the flames washed over him, even though he knew the fire wouldn't hurt him. When he looked again, he stood in the middle of a full-fledged forest fire. Trees crumbled slightly like wood that had sat in the fireplace for hours. The air was so thick with sparks and ash that Town couldn't see the sky anymore. Midwin and Town were untouched by the fire, but Town's clothes were replaced by a thick layer of soot. To his amazement, Midwin's clothing was completely intact. Ravage had stopped rampaging, but still shook with rage. Midwin lifted his silver dagger almost lazily. 
Ravage calmed slightly and took a step back, as though he was afraid of the dagger. I'll use it, Middowin said. Don't doubt it. Stay away from me and the boy. Ravage turned his attention to Talm. The dragon's expression was not friendly. For the first time in his life, Talm felt afraid of a dragon. For a moment, Talm expected the three to strike the dragon down, as the three was famous for. But the moment passed and Ravage was unharmed. You'll see me again, human. A voice entered Talm's skull, surprising him. Talm had never heard a dragon speak before. He thought that only riders could hear their dragons. But maybe being Middowin's apprentice had changed something. I can't kill you, Ravage continued. But I will make you wish I had. You will never have a home, you will never know family, and you will never keep comrades. Then Ravage tensed and stretched his wings. In an earth-trembling leap, he beat his wings so hard that the surrounding trees crumbled in a storm of burning ash that stung Talon's eyes. Then Ravage was gone. Talon. Trembling, Talon turned to Middowin. Now you know, I suppose, Middowin said. He will kill you if he can. The man tossed his silver dagger onto the ground between them. If you get the chance, kill him first. I don't have the heart to harm either of you. With that, Middowin turned and shakily walked away, leaving Talon alone in the burning woods.